You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. This is the last week in our new creation series. I like that Ray got us telling stories about the new creation here because this is the last week in this series. We've been doing it since Christmas, talking about this new creation that's rising up in us. And I think it really, I think this season really has stirred some new things up in us. I, I can feel the spirit kind of stirring us up in new ways. And I'm, expectant um, about what God is going to do with that and what we're going to do with that, even in this time of Lent that's coming up. And I think it's going to be great. We might even have a revival. But the movement I want to focus on tonight is this movement from seeing to believing. This is kind of the last, you know, there's, there's so many aspects to becoming, to this process of becoming a new creation in Christ. But we've tried to just pick out a few um, characteristics of the movement. And this one tonight is a movement of trust. It's about not just like observing the church or faith or religion, but, um, you know, as, as this kind of external or remote thing. But it's about receiving God's promise to us in Jesus in a new way. Maybe even just being open to that. And maybe even beyond what we can see and know right now. And that's, that's faith. That's really what faith is. And becoming a new creation necessarily involves this wild and uncertain and wonderful and mysterious journey of faith. The process of faith development and learning to trust God, I think, isn't that easy for most of us, though, most of the time. Not just because we're talking about the invisible God, but because trust, trust is hard, right? It, it, it's, um, I think it doesn't always come naturally. Life is full of uncertainties. Like for the friends we were just praying about. Life is full of uncertainties that stir up our fears all the time. And, you know, and we've all been let down a million times before. And faith is so mysterious. Um, it gets a reputation for being unscientific, but I think it's really not. It's all connected. But I do think the most common response to life's uncertainties is to rely on ourselves more, get more serious about trying to control, you know, react to try to control more things, as many things as we can, and to create more structures of certainty and security in our lives. But I think we're here because we know that that's kind of an elusive thing to do. And Jesus offers a better way, um, albeit a counterintuitive way, to trust God's love beyond our ability to see and to enter into a life in the Spirit that's bigger and more personal and more secure, I think, than any anyone else we could rely on. It's a big whole life invitation to trust God, to trust Jesus. But I think we can take bite-sized morsels. It's a process, right? And so I want to offer you three reasons tonight to grow your trust in God, to keep moving from seeing 
to believing. My first reason is that I think we're made for it. We are literally made to trust. We're designed as human beings to trust, um, even though it's hard. We're made to trust, especially in our creator. Um, and it even feels good sometimes. I could give you lots of examples from the Bible about being formed by God on purpose and known and loved. That's what Psalm 139 is all about. I could talk about experiences of worship with you all, like we're here to do tonight. I often feel moments like that in nature, um, that those, that sense of like transcendent awareness that um, I'm, I'm part of this bigger, this bigger, um, one who sees me and knows me. Like Jimmy was saying, you know, I think lots of people go to concerts and shows for that, for a little sense of that. You can like raise your hands or dance around or sing your heart out. That's evidence of this capacity in us, I think, towards something bigger than us that we're part of. I could also talk about being a child and raising children to illustrate how we're made to trust. And being able to trust someone to take care of us on some level is essential to our development as human beings. We, we literally need it, need it to grow. Rock climbing taught me a lot about trust too. Unless you're free climbing or lead climbing, you are fully trusting the person who has the other end of the rope. You're trusting them to pay attention and not zone out or let go. They say on belay and you say climbing when you're, when you are ready. And then I love, it's music to my ears to hear a climbing partner say climb on because they're, they're saying to you that they are anchored in and they are paying attention and they're ready. They have your rope. And so if you fall, the rope is going to hold you up. We're made for trust. I think it gets us beyond ourselves. It, it expands us. And Jesus was always showing people that God could be trusted in ways beyond what they expected and in ways beyond what they could see and know. So my second reason for trusting God is that the Spirit gives life. And the sixth chapter of John gets us into this with this physical um, symbol, the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. It, it was really probably more like 20,000 people or beyond. That's a lot of miraculous provision, a lot of temporary needs met in a matter of minutes, um, which might be why this miracle is the only one besides the resurrection that gets recorded in all four Gospels. It was, it was a really big deal. But the day after this happens, people come looking for Jesus again. Jesus does this thing where he tries to get away to, to pray. Um, they come looking for Jesus again because their bellies are empty and they're looking for another um, temporary fix from this miracle worker. 
And Jesus gets a chance to make a better offer. He says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which I will give you, by the way. And the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so faith and trust in Jesus is our main work. Jesus is kind of laying it out there. And I, that surprised me again this week as I was studying this. The work of God is, is this, to believe. You know, I don't know if, if you're like me. I always think like the, the, there's a lot more work I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to succeed, wear myself out, you know, do it, do it all as much as I can. But, but Jesus is saying here, no, the, your main work is to have faith, to work out this process of faith in me as the Savior of the world. So he's saying, I, I, want, I want you to trust me to save you. I want you to get into the reality that I'm doing that all the time. So learning to rely on the Spirit now the invisible God, I think, is the heart of his invitation. Even though he keeps using this food meta- metaphor, the communion meal is really the, just the symbol of how we're invited to receive this promise and to keep receiving it. The promise of God saving us through the work of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Jesus gives us the secret. He really, it's a super long chapter. If you want to check out John 6, it's like 70-some verses. But he gives us the secret um, at the end. Everybody's arguing about what Jesus really means in this moment. And he, and I think this is the this is the heart of it. At the end, he says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh doesn't profit you anything. And I want to, I want to be really clear here that flesh in the, in the Greek, flesh doesn't mean body or physical. It means, um, because Jesus always gives us an embodied teaching. What, what that word flesh means there is like our selfish, self-slavery, our selfish ambition, being a slave to our self-serving desires that only, you know, bring, doesn't really get us anywhere anyway. It, it just brings us these like crumbs of temporary satisfaction. So Jesus is is saying it's not actually going to profit you to chase after your selfish desires all day long. You're you're just going to be on this treadmill forever. But take heart because trusting in me and this and this life in my spirit that I'm offering can save you and free you. And so we're invited to take him in, this indwelling spirit of God. And I know this sounds kind of strange and mystical, and it is kind of, and it, and it sounded really strange to people back then um, because Jesus was literally saying, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Um, and they were like, freaking out they were they were literally walking away saying we can't handle this this is too hard of a teaching um because first of all we don't believe that you're god because we know your parents we know mary and joseph um and also jesus was using he he used the word munch for um eating his flesh I, i'm dead serious that he he uh 
John shifts the word estheo in Greek, which is like the normal word for eating, um, to the word trogo, which was the word that was used to um, describe how animals like crunched and munched on things all day long. So it's, I know it sounds so weird, so weird, um, as if Jesus can't get any weirder. But I think it's recorded this way on purpose. Um, because the invitation that Jesus is making to this life with him is this 24-7 kind of relationship. Like cows chew on their food like eight hours a day or something crazy like that. It's going to take a while to digest. This is a process. I think Jesus is saying, "I'm, I'm offering you my life and I'm not going anywhere. I, I want to actually be with you. I want to stay with you in, in mutuality and intimacy even and, and unity and dependency because we need to keep changing the world together. I think he's saying, I, I need you, us, to help me finish my work. And I'm going to give you what you need to do it, which is my spirit. So again, it, you know, it, when Jesus says, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, I know it sounds so strange, and it, and it is. But I think we're working, we keep working it out as a circle of hope in, in lots of practical ways. When you follow that nudge to text somebody and invite them to your cell meeting, or just check on how they're doing, how their week is going, that's, that's you expressing this mutual indwelling life with God, when you share in the common fund or apologize to somebody to heal a relationship, or you try something totally new and risky for God's sake, and it doesn't make any sense in the moment, but you put yourself out there anyway, you're expressing this trust in God and this life in the spirit. I think it's really powerful when it comes out of us, and it does come out of us, you know, it, I think God can't really be, uh, I saw, I saw this happening this week among us in many ways, um, the way the high school cell came around their member who lost their dad this week, I saw it in the dozen of us who crammed into Alex's apartment on Wednesday to share our lives with brand new people, most of us didn't know each other in the room, but, but you know, by the end of the meeting, we're asking each other to pray for each other. I heard it, I heard it about it in the work that many of you do on your jobs. I saw it in our leaders making hard decisions. I heard it in, um, Ben Rosenbach's demos that we're putting together for the next audio art album so that more people can connect with God through these worship songs that we keep writing. Uh, all of these things are happening out of faith and trust in God, moving with the spirit in normal life. And I think they're all evidence of this, like, freedom from self-slavery um, that Jesus is talking about. I think that's, that's the movement from seeing to believing. So the third and final reason for trusting God that I want to explore with you tonight is that nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. You might be experiencing some really hard situations in your life. 
I think many of us are. And I think that Jesus is is saying that he's here to meet us in that and kind of take a, maybe even take us to the next level through that. Nothing is wasted. I've learned this over and over in my life. And it kind of became the mantra in our cell when one of one of our cellmates um got transformed by God's love, not from winning the lottery, but from um having this terrible flare up of multiple sclerosis on this like uh trip of a lifetime international vacation. She got hit with this terrible um thing, and it was so infuriating. She didn't know what to do except to, like, rage at God for all the ways she'd been disappointed by life. And something totally transformational happened in that interaction between her and God, in her just being real with God. Um, She came back and told Arcel, nothing is wasted. And then Jesus himself used those words when he told the disciples um, after this big miracle where so many people were fed. He said, go, I want you to go and gather up the leftovers um, because nothing, I don't want anything to be wasted. And they filled 12 baskets full of more food for people. And that just kind of speaks to me that everything matters. None of our efforts at love will be wasted even if we feel like they're going nowhere. We might berate ourselves for not measuring correctly or putting our eggs in the wrong basket. But God sees and can use it for good. Jesus describes the sense of value when when talking about each of us. And this this is my favorite part of the chapter in the middle. When Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I have told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. I think that that verse that I bolded here um, might be the most comforting verse in the Bible to me. Because Jesus is saying that it's the will of God and his whole purpose that he loses none of us. Um, And I think that's why God can be trusted. Jesus is revealing that his whole purpose is to save everyone. None of us are are disposable. Or, or too far gone to be included in this movement. I keep, I keep a picture. I meant to bring it down out of my office, but I keep a picture on my office wall of um, the, the shepherd like grabbing the sheep that's going off the cliff. You've probably seen it before, right? 
Um, we just to remind me, we might be ready to fall off that rock cliff, like in any given moment. Um, even if we climb to the top with a good partner on belay, but God, God sees and knows and cares, you know, to help us in our real life, everyday struggles, whether that's, um, not yelling at our kids or not going after that addictive substance, um, or not getting paralyzed by self-blame. The Spirit gives life. And we can, we can, we're invited to, to lean back into that flow. So we have an important opportunity this Wednesday to um, really get into that together. And I want to invite, I want to invite you to that. Ash Wednesday, um, like I said earlier, I really think God wants to do something great in us um, and something new to show us the joy of life in the spirit um, that we might not have known before. And the opportunity of Lent is to kind of go into the wilderness um, like Jesus did, a, a wilderness of our own um, making in a way to learn greater trust and mutuality and dependency on God. And so our time together on Wednesday is going to kind of kick off this season that goes 40 days till Easter. Lent, Lent means lengthening. So it's, it might feel like a long time till we get to Easter, but I think we need that long season to kind of dig into this with Jesus. So I encourage you to bring yourself. We'll dig into God's promises every Sunday then until Easter. Um, and we're going to have a special opportunity for rest and um, trust building, prayer, contemplative prayer on, on the Lent retreat here on March 7th. I think the wilderness might be the best place to go from seeing to believing. So you might want to consider giving something up for, for Lent. I know many of you have thought about this already. Or you might want to take on a new spiritual discipline um, that puts you in a new place to rely on God in a vulnerable new way. It can be really hard, but I think it's worth it because the point is to discover that we're made to trust God. self uh, slavery doesn't profit us anything, but the Spirit gives life. That's God's promise to us in Jesus. And I really think we're, we're made for it. And nothing, nothing that we face is wasted on this journey with God. Everything can be used for good for us um, and for whoever is next to come. Let's pray together, and then we're going to have time to talk back tonight. Jesus, thank you for your promises. Help us to dig into them in new ways here this Lent. In the midst of everything we face, help us to make new space um, to meet with you and to be renewed. Thank you for this time that we have even here tonight um, where you can do something new in us right now. 
Um, and by extension, you are doing something new in the whole world. Um, your kingdom is breaking in and making a new creation um, in the midst of who we are and what we've got. So help us to bring ourselves to you. Thank you for your life in us. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.